Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Seedmasters Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. We have our usual Friday look at this week's grain markets. As well, Adam Pacallo talks about today's latest USDA crop report. CN Rail discusses grain movement and a new hopper car purchase. First Nations receives some federal support to increase farming knowledge. We talk turkey for Thanksgiving weekend. And a look at the movie featuring Saskatchewan farmer Percy Schmeiser Bruno and his fight with Monsanto over genetically modified seeds. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-Buildings.ca Grain markets are showing upward movement this week. Commodity Futures Advisor at PI Financial in Regina, Adam Pacallo, says spring wheat gained 10 cents a bushel and canola was up $8 a ton. Well, Jim, starting off with the canola, November futures were up approximately $8 a ton. That's given where prices are currently. That could uh, obviously change given today there was a USDA report. I'll, I'll touch on that in a bit. Then on the wheat front, we did see Minneapolis wheat up about 10 cents a bushel on the December contract. So this week was quite positive for all grains. Uh, Soybeans were up 40 cents a bushel, corn up 12 cents a bushel. It seems that there has been definite fund buying and some short covering that has been going on. And funds are now turning to weather in the U.S., Plains and Russia that it is quite dry conditions for the next six to ten days as well as in South America there's uh, some weather issues there on the bean front so that has been supporting all the grain markets uh, here for the last week. So the USDA report what has it done to the market today? Well the USDA report most analysts were expecting yields uh, to be slightly lower from the September report on both corn and soybeans. Uh, it was actually a slightly higher than the trade uh, expectations for corn and beans. The yield for corn came in at about 178.4 bushels and soybeans about 51.9. So that was, again, slightly higher. So uh, we are still seeing the markets responding positively because, again, uh, these numbers are quite low compared 
to previous years. So soybeans are still holding about 18 cents higher. Uh, corn is holding about four cents higher. Uh, initially, right after the report, we did see a bit of a drop on the wheat front, uh, in particular Chicago wheat. However, uh, as I'm talking here, and the, the report just came out 10 minutes ago, grains are starting to turn a little bit more positive. So um, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting day when it comes to the grains. So what's the outlook, the future and beyond? Well, when it comes to the canola, to start with that, uh, the trend is still positive. I know I've mentioned that here before, and, and it seems that canola now, their support on the November futures is approximately $510 a ton, uh, with resistance close to around 535 and we're trading at about 526 so right in that middle of the range. And I still believe that there is some some positive news on the canola front because of the other outside markets like the soybean oil and soybeans and soy meal. All of those markets have gone significantly higher. So I am still wanting to see that that trend continue and, and talking with clients about replacing possibly canola that they have sold. And then on the wheat front, um, Minneapolis wheat uh, has definitely not followed Chicago wheat uh, the same actually. And right now, Minneapolis is trading at about a, a 50 cent a bushel discount to Chicago, which uh, again, Minneapolis is typically at uh, a premium or at least closer to the same because it is that higher quality wheat. So I'm going to be watching if that spread can narrow. Um, however, right now, funds are still, are still buying on the long side for Chicago and that spread uh, could widen more. Adam Picallo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial in Regina. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford Equipment dealer or visit SelfordGroup.com. CN Rail says its new hopper car order will lead to major improvements to prairie grain movement. This summer, CN announced an order of 1,500 hopper cars for grain movement with delivery expected early in 2021. The Senior Director of Unit Train Supply Chain, Jason Hilmanowski, says the prairie crop is expected to be one of the biggest, and CN is gearing up for increased grain movement this year. CN now expects to move between 27.5 to 29.5 million metric tons of grain from Western Canada over the course of the 2021 crop year. This excludes grain moved directly from Western Canada via intermodal compared to a previous guidance of 26 to 28 million metric tons. We will reassess this number as harvest goes and update. As is always going to be the case, commercial market factors will play a large role in determining the timing and volume of how grain supplies will be drawn into the grain handling system during the 2020-2021 crop year. Himanowski says CN announced in late July an order of 1,500 new hopper cars with delivery starting in January. That purchase is in addition to the first 1,000 hoppers we announced back in 2018, and it builds on the long-term renewal of the Western Canadian hopper fleet. On August 27th, CN announced the awarding of a contract to build 1,150 hopper cars to National Steel Car Limited of Hamilton, Ontario. Now the 1,500 cars will be delivered to CN during the 2021 crop year, and we are working on nailing down the timing. A significant portion of the hopper car fleet in Western Canada is at the end of its useful life. Provincial and federal hopper car new build programs from the 1970s into the early 1980s brought around 10,000 cars into service for grain movement. Many of these cars are well over 40 years old, and they are generally less productive than more modern jumbo hoppers. 
Hilmanowski says there's a big capacity difference between the old government hopper cars and the new jumbo hopper cars. The government of Canada hoppers are 4,550 cubic feet, 100 ton capacity and 31 and a half ton tear weight. That's a 2,000 pound short ton. So the tear weight is 63,000 pounds compared to under 60,000 pounds for the new high capacity national steel car, 5,431 foot cubic hopper. Why is this important, you might ask? Well, the maximum permissible weight of a loaded car is only so much. So there's more weight that the car itself is making up. 3,000 plus pounds doesn't sound like much, but in reality it is. We'd rather be hauling grain, not the dead weight of the car. Hilmanowski explains further. Well, there's more physical space to put grain into the new generation high-capacity cars to the tune of almost 900 cubic feet. A standard jumbo hopper car is 5,150 cubic feet, so there's even a big pickup there going to a 5,431 cubic feet. Different types of grain have different densities, and you can only get so much grain into the car. For example, wheat takes up around 48 pounds per cubic foot compared to 40 for canola. Oats is less than 30. Some commodities weigh out before they cube out, like wheat. Remembering you can only load to the maximum permissible weight of the car. And some commodities cube out before they weigh out, like oats or canola. The biggest pickup for the new high-capacity cars is how much of the lighter-density commodities can be loaded in the car without weighing out, seeing as there is an extra cubic capacity to work with for these less-dense commodities. For canola, you're going from 83 tons of grain in a 4,550-cubic-foot car all the way to almost 100 tons in a new high-capacity hopper. Hilmanowski adds there are other advantages. Car length is one of them. The old government cars are 59 feet compared to the NSC cars coming in at 55 foot 8 inches. Long story short, we can fit 8 to 10 more of these new cars on the same track length for ladder and loop unit train loading facilities. So between more tons per car and more cars per train pulled from origin, it adds up fast, especially for lighter density commodities, almost 20% more wheat moved per train and almost 40% more canola. Those are some big gains. Hilmanowski points to the key efficiency gains with the new hopper cars. There are a couple of efficiencies that we gain when our trains have higher trailing tonnage. One of the main efficiencies is that our locomotive fleet is better utilized. This is because we are using the same amount of horsepower to move more tonnage. The second efficiency we see is the number of crews we use to operate these trains. Really, the number is the same, however, like locomotives, we are hauling more tonnage using the same amount of people, thus gaining further efficiencies, both of which compound from a network perspective and gives CN an opportunity to move these trains with less delay, which means cars are either moving to the port faster or returning to the elevator faster to get spotted again. Jason Hilmanowski is a director of unit trains at CN Rail. Um. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. Recently, I had a chat with John Drager of Left Field Commodity Research. We covered a number of crops in the outlook. What about pulse crops, John? What, what are you seeing in that market that uh, stands out to you? 
No, I just think you know. Again, it's it's uh, you know the, the outlook. I think for lentils is is getting you know good good movement, good demand. You know, green lentil prices are starting to get moving. Uh, pretty good outlook for yellow peas. Good shipments. Maybe green peas are one where we're maybe not quite as optimistic. I mean, that's the one where where production was up. Yellow pea production is down a little bit. So, you know, I, I think the outlook for prices is is pretty good, like a number of these other stories. And and I, I think it's one of the things is you know, for example, we come back to this uh, this China dynamic. You know, the one element of this which which uh, you know certainly is is worth uh, you know giving some pause and thought to is it isn't just fun buying in you know, old China phase one. The funds are going to buy soybean futures. You know, they're buying non-futures traded crops they're buying peas they're buying sorghum you know they're buying other crops you know on a, on a cash basis and so those are of course tiny tiny markets relatively speaking but there's an element of, of just some genuine you know de- buying that is taking place and you know again you know peas is one of those markets that's benefited from that john when you look at this market that has been pretty positive over the last several weeks are there any crops that have kind of missed out on this lift or maybe are still somewhat undervalued to where some of the fundamental analysis should probably put those prices? Well, you know, it's probably fair to say general across the board. I don't know if there's anything that's been maybe particularly weak where we look and say, oh, geez, you know, there's going to be all this upside building. You know, but there are some some crops that, I, that you know we have some optimism for going forward. Like, for example, something like Durham. It's, it's not like Durham has been weak, you know, but it's a market that as we look forward here, we see some tightening and maybe there's some upside going forward. Uh, something like, uh, uh, again, we talked about quite a bit about canola, but we're, we're pretty friendly canola basis levels. You know, basis levels have been pretty weak. And, and I think just, you know, we, we're going to have tighter supplies year over year. The early part of the demand is, has been just, you know, great for canola. Farmers have been delivering like crazy. But but once that stuff has worked its way through the system, we talked about stocks being in, in, far, in tighter hands. I'm I'm pretty bullish canola basis levels when we get into into winter and spring, uh, you know something like even some of these other crops, something like yellow peas for example. There's some others, and again, in any given case, is the big home run. I'm not sure, but I think where there's maybe some upside, you know, good demand early on, um, you know, good good buying, good export movement, stocks maybe sitting in tighter hands as the year goes on. It's gonna be made a little harder for buyers to try and pry that stuff out. So I, I think those are a few few markets we're, we're watching. One that might be a bit sneaky almost is, is maybe feed grains a little bit. You know, for example, something like feed barley. And it's, you know, on paper, it's not like, oh, you know, you think why, why would feed barley or feed wheat be rallying? You know, that doesn't make sense. And yet, you know, prices are kind of firm and it, it feels like a market that's going to end up being tighter and firmer than you would think if you would have just looked at the balance sheet on paper, say, a month ago. And I think it's behaving that way, probably both from some export pull in the case of barley, some firmness from corn. But it just just a market that just feels and acts tighter than you think it would be on paper. Right. And I think that's maybe tells us something. I always find on feed grains it's somewhat difficult sometimes to figure out, OK, is this being driven higher because of corn or is there some local supply disruption that's creating some issues from a feed barley standpoint? What are your thoughts on that? With feed grains, it's always a bit of a tough one because, you know, so much of that domestic use, you don't get the statistics the way you do on, uh, well, you know, looking at exports of canola or domestic crush of canola, and you can monitor that pretty well. So it, it's almost kind of there's all this, this stuff going on under the surface. You don't have the, the statistics to chew into the, to kind of sink your teeth into to try and get your head around it. You know, certainly something like barley, I think, helped with, you know, with, with exports. Certainly the corn story helps a little bit too, a better quality harvest. You know, you don't have sort of this feed quality grain per se, the same way we did last year. 
I, but I, I think we maybe do have a bit of a tighter market in the prairies. And so even, for example, something like here in, in Manitoba, so we're going to have smaller corn crop. You know, North Dakota's got a smaller corn crop. We end up, you know, typically maybe import quite a bit. Well, maybe now we got a little bit of a tighter market on the eastern prairies, for example. Maybe that, that spills back. You know, I, I think it's maybe a culmination of a few things that kind of just suddenly, geez, you know, this market is now, say, five bucks top farm. That's a pretty darn good price for feed barley. No one would have guessed that, you know, a month and a half ago. That's for sure. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather for today, mainly sunny sky, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50, becoming light this afternoon. The high 14, the low plus 5. Saturday, sunny with a wind southeast at 30, the high 24, the low 11. Sunday, partly cloudy and windy, the high 14, the low 1. Monday, sunny, the high 14, the low 0. Tuesday, sunny, the high 12, the low minus 1. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high 10 degrees, the low 0. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high 9. And the normal for this date, the high 13, the normal low is minus 2. The sun rose at 7.12 this morning. It sets at 16 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Estevan at 13 degrees. The cold spot, of course, Estevan in the southeast. The cold spot, Collins Bay up north, minus 2. So Estevan is 13. Saskatoon is 8 degrees. Swift Current comes in at 8 degrees as well. Weyburn is 11 and Yorkton 9 degrees. In Regina with cloudy skies, it's 8. That's 46 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west-northwest at 31. Humidity is 63%. The barometer rising 101.3. Cloudy in Moose Jaw, 8 degrees. Winds are from the northwest at 30. Once again, Regina cloudy and 8. That's 46 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Milk. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. The federal government has announced funding of $2.1 million to support three new community-led Indigenous agriculture and food initiatives. The Indian Agricultural Program of Ontario will receive up to $1 million to provide comprehensive, culturally relevant farm extension and business advisory services in Ontario, Saskatchewan, B.C. and Alberta. The project will help First Nation communities with farm extension and business advisory services to support involvement through the Canadian Agricultural Partnership. The Native Women's Association of Canada will receive just over $1 million for a three-year pilot project growing traditional Indigenous plants and foods in a community garden as well as a winterized greenhouse located on the rooftop of the Native Women's Association new head offices in Gatineau, Quebec. The greenhouse will ensure a supply of medicines, herbs, fruits and vegetables year-round for the Native Women's Commercial Kitchen, which caters training and workshops in the culinary field as well as the Native Women's Café. 
Just like everything else this year, this weekend's usual Thanksgiving celebrations are going to be a bit different due to COVID-19. Provincial health specialists are recommending to keep in-home gatherings limited to immediate family members and people already in their extended bubble. Potlucks, shared platters, and buffet serving styles are discouraged. All food should be plated and prepared by one person. Seniors and those with underlying health conditions should receive their food first to minimize cross-contamination. Carol Miller is the supervisor of the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. She believes the additional COVID guidelines will not put a damper on Thanksgiving celebrations. Everyone's still going to celebrate. Everyone's got something to be happy about. And it may not be 20 people around the dining room table or around the kitchen counter. It might be just a family of five or six that are going to be celebrating. There might be a virtual Zoom meeting sometime later on to get grandma or anyone else that normally would have come, but there will be gathering. Miller has been fielding inquiries about turkey size in light of the smaller gatherings. One of the questions we're going to get is, I don't need a 25-pound turkey this year. You know, what should I cook? And, you know, what I would say for that is that a couple of options. A 25-pound turkey is still great for leftovers. Cook it, then you've got meals for a few days, and what you can't consume goes right up into the freezer where it's handy for soups and casseroles and, you know, those meals where you really don't want to start from zero. And then if you want to do something smaller, there's smaller turkeys, there's breast of turkeys, there's so many different options. There are many ways to prepare a turkey, but Miller has a favorite. My favorite way is basically doing it in open pan method. Butterball's got a great method where you are just cooking at 325, cooking the turkey breast side up, a little oil on the skin, pop it into the oven. 10 to 18 pounds cooks in about three to three and a half hours. The Butterball information line fields many questions from first-time cooks. How much to buy, uh, what kind of pan to put it in. Sometimes they don't know breast up. Uh, we've had people that have called and, and say that they've got this turkey on Thanksgiving Day and there's no meat on the breast. After discovering and talking, we've discovered that they cooked it upside down. A website to check out is butterball.ca got a calculator that helps you determine how much turkey you need. It tells you how long it's going to take to thaw that frozen turkey if you're going to, you know, if that's the kind of turkey you bought. It also helps you with how long it should be in the oven. And those are just guidelines, but it really, really does help. Lots of good videos. And you can also go to butterball.com, which is the U.S. site where you can also get some great information. Carol Miller is a supervisor with the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. The Thanksgiving long weekend begins tonight. Yeah. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. The village of Marengo has been evacuated after a large fire at a grain elevator last night. The arm of Milton has also been placed under a state of emergency. Fire crews responded to the fire at around 11 o'clock last night. According to SAS Power, power has been restored after being knocked out for a while. Fire crews were still on scene this morning. A new movie being released today about a Saskatchewan farmer is garnering attention partly because it involves a well-known actor. Percy 
stars Christopher Walken, who portrays Percy Schmeiser of Bruno. More than 20 years ago, Schmeiser and Monsanto were involved in a lengthy court battle that ended up in the Supreme Court of Canada. Monsanto said Schmeiser was growing its patented, genetically modified canola without paying the licensing fee. The Bruno area farmer claimed the seeds blew on his field. A judge eventually ruled in Monsanto's favor. Environmental groups opposed to genetically modified seeds supported Schmeiser in his legal fight. Some farmers took the opposite side. Stuart Smythe is the industry-funded chair in agri-food innovation at the University of Saskatchewan. He hasn't seen the movie, but watched the trailer that came out a few weeks ago. It's a pretty liberal interpretation of the facts of what came out in the in the court documents. It's an interpretation that's based on the myth that Percy was somehow an innocent bystander in all of this, and it doesn't correlate in any way, shape, or form with the the decision from the judge where she certainly, the judge in the strongest legal language I've ever seen, didn't buy Percy's arguments. Even though Monsanto won the case, it generated a lot of negative publicity for genetically modified seed. No company wants to see their name in the news over over having to, to sue a farmer. And, and the unfortunate thing was that, that Monsanto had been notified by, you know, a couple dozen of Schmeiser's neighbors that he was illegally growing Roundup Ready canola while they were having to pay $15 an acre to do exactly the same thing. And and so Monsanto approached Smizer about paying the technical use fee that all of his neighbors were, and, and Smizer's response was, take me to court. So, you know, he, he certainly left Monsanto no option to protect their intellectual property, which was the fundamental argument in the, in the court cases. Smythe doubts if the movie will have much of an impact on the general public. I don't see this being a catalyst for a sudden uptick in in consumer um, adversity to anything in this space. I, you know, I think vast majority of Canadians are far more concerned about uh, their health and their jobs and educating their kids while trying to work full time from home and stuff like that. So it may resonate with a, a small segment of the population, but. I think uh, the vast majority of Canadians have far greater concerns at this point in time. The movie Percy opens tonight in five Canadian cities, including Regina and Saskatoon. In the end, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled 9-0 to zero in Percy's favour that Schmeiser did not have to pay Monsanto their technology use fee, damages or costs, as Schmeiser did not receive any benefit from the technology. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall is Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement this morning. Canola gained 3.80 at 4.8317. Yellow peas rose $5 at 2.7889. Number one red spring wheat rose at 1.82 at 2.2927. The rest were unchanged. Durham 2.7925. Feed barley 1.9970. Flax 6.0274. Lentils 6.0750. Oats 1.9053. And feed wheat 1.8372. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures rose nine and a half cents at five fifty two a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. 
The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Musha, 2670 at our Charlotte Sementel sale on October 6th. He's top-end, good-haired, well-dehorned calves selling to a premium. The column bull market on Thursday was a little lower with another 300-plus on offer. These good cows, 76 to 82, sales to 84.50, medium Medium cow 70 to 75, and the good bulls are a dollar two to 15. Here's the highlights from our Tuesday pre-sort: 63 tan steers, 484, 250, 375. I don't know in Western Canada if there were any higher anywhere. 112 red and black steers, 482 at 232.75. 71 tan steers, 593 at 232. Uh, a dollar three, 103 red and black steers, 584 at 209. We did sell 36 silver steers, 533 at 223. 83 tan steers, five, 646 at 219. 85 salmon tall steers, 708 at 207. And 81 great big Charlotte salmon tall cross caps, 773 at 20475. 421 weight tan heifers at 209 and a half. 57 tan heifers, 479 at 199 and a quarter. 586 weight tans at 187 and the big 663s bring 187.75. These second cut calves are being priced back and the short frame cattle are being priced back even more again. This has been Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. Now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices for Sig 4 Brandon, BP4 Moose Jaw plants, same price, both 181.50 per CKG. Coming up, the resource report brought to you by iMetals Group. Investing in precious metals will diversify your investment portfolio. Learn more at iMetalsGroup.com. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. And now the Resource Report with Alan Sexton of the iMetals Group. This is Alan Sexton with your iMetals Group Metals Report and Commodity Report today. We've got the Dow Jones Industrial Average at 28,515. That's up 89 points. The NASDAQ's at 11,528, 107 points. The Canadian dollar's at 130.26, down slightly. We've got crude oil, same price, 43.12. Yesterday, natural gas, same price, 272. But the big movers today are... Gold and silver. Gold is up $30 at the cash price. It's a spot price at $1,925. And, of course, luxury silver that I love more than anything is up a dollar today at $24.70 an ounce. Again, that is a spot price on the cash market. I explained to people through the week how we work here at iMetals Group and how our company makes money, hopefully, on every trade that we can, but we don't. But, anyway, we want to make money on silver now. Yesterday, we thought, I told everybody that um, when the volume picks up on silver, the next day and the next week, we always see a jump, $2, $3, $4, and going back 15 years, my numbers are still correct. We saw a dollar move today, and I expect next week to see 2 maybe even $3. Folks, the upside potential in silver has never been so enormous. We could see prices go $40, $50, $60 an ounce. The price is unlimited. So, very simple. Every $5,000 that you put into this cash silver market trades on the London Metals Exchange. That leverages 1,000 ounces of silver. Every dollar move is $1,000. So when I say it's up a dollar from yesterday, 
your account would be worth $6,000 from yesterday. There is a high degree of risk of trading in these markets, so please get a copy of our prospectus. Today, there is no obligation. The toll-free number is 1-800-976-1877. That's 1-800-976-1877. This is Alan Sexton with your iMetals Group Commodity and Metals Report. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.